Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. Stephanie Bell. I am joined by co-host Mark Ellinger. Good morning, y'all. And he is going to have the Morning Bell business news with a twist. We just got in some job numbers, so we'll be hearing about that from him. We've also got producer Hannah. Hello. And John Marsh. Good morning. Producer Hannah, I'm on her bad list this morning because (laughs) we are being haunted by the ghost of Rathert (laughs) in that I gave Hannah the wrong phone number. Yeah, you switched two digits on me and and I called some poor gentleman (laughs) who was very confused as to why I was calling him at eight o'clock in the morning for his radio interview. (laughs) Sorry about that. It just, you know, and I even said what show we were on. So that's kind of embarrassing, (laughs) but whatever. He's definitely going to text his his family today and be like, Hey, guess who called me this morning? If you're listening this morning, sir, I'm very sorry that Stephanie screwed your number up. (laughs) It could have been six 35. So you're just lucky that it was after 8 a.m. All right. You're not listening the heck with you. (laughs) we are taking nominations for winners and losers we're getting so i got one (laughs) all right that's at 573-874-9390 so we hope you will give us a text and we're doing that at 8 30 but now we are joined by tammy holiday she's with friends of the missouri governor's mansion and they've caught my eye because i'm a big instagram girl and i love my instagram and they've been taking us kind of behind the scenes uh, on that page and um, there's a couple of different entities in Involved with the mansion. So first of all, Tammy, I thought maybe you could just tell us a little bit about how your group works with the other groups involved there at the at the mansion. Sure. Um, thank you for having me this morning. Um, our organization is a nonprofit five hundred one c three organization that was started back in the seventies um, as as a a way to preserve the treasures um, inside the mansion, uh, the first lady portraits and some of the uh, furniture and some of the um, other artifacts that have been given to the mansion or they purchased. Um, but we work with the state of Missouri um, and the first family and their staff to um, just try to maintain the mansion so that it's there for generations to come. So we, we try to coordinate on events and um, projects as they come up and as needs arise in the mansion. So it's a 
Tammy, it's such a beautiful building. Um, the, the mansion's got so much history in it, uh, but they're always having to do renovations to keep it up. Uh, how, do, how does that renovations kind of interact with the tours? My mom was a docent for a number of years mm-hmm. over there during the tours. Oh, so wow. How, how does it kind of interact with the tours when you have these uh, renovations ongoing? Well, they, they kind of would have to work around the construction schedules and the first family schedule. Um, and, and every first family has the choice of when they would like to open the mansion and, um, you know, what days they have open for tours. But the Parsons have been wonderful about getting the building structurally sound. And they've met, really made it a priority since the minute that they got into the mansion and to the administration to, to fix the things that need to be fixed. Over the years, um, sometimes there just was not any money um, in the state budget for any repairs to to take place at the mansion. And so they they have really made that a priority and it's, it's you know, really been appreciated. And, um, you know, they just told the public on their websites and everything that, you know, it's a working house and sometimes that it has to shut down for construction um, or other events. So they just have to try to work around that. And, and everybody's been really understanding. Yeah. And it is the people's house as the first lady, uh, Teresa Parson calls it. I mean, because the, the people yeah. go there. I know the weather was not great Tammy, last week for the, um, for the Parson family festival, very cold and rainy, but I know, I know people did come out. I, I, I want to follow up. Um, and by the way, I'm glad you're there. I remember you were at DPS, Tammy. I'm glad you're where you're at right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Did you did a did a great job there? You really did. Mark asked about Thank the you. yeah. He asked about the history, and I just think of so many governors who've lived there. I've seen the the pictures and everything. To the best of my knowledge, I'm going from memory. The only governor in my lifetime who did not live there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was Roger mm-hmm. Wilson because he was a governor for three months and the first lady at the twelve who became senator, Jean Carnan, I believe, stayed in the mansion. But his picture. Is in there, if I'm not mistaken. I know I've seen it. Um, I have not seen his picture, unless they've got it in a different spot. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> but, it. I know it used um, to, it used to be in there for sure, unless it, they may and they may have moved it to a different spot. But I don't think he lived there. Um, I I, I think you're correct. I'm not 100 percent positive about that, but it was such a short time. There there may have just been you know not time for him to actually get moved in um but i they may have moved his picture over to the capitol i'm not sure about that but yeah most of the families have lived there um at least during the week some of them would go home on the weekends if they didn't have a a, any official duties but uh, for the most part it it has been an official um residents of the first family since the day it was built yeah i remember i was over at the public service commission at a meeting and we can you can be out of the one of the conference rooms you can see the mansion and i was over there and i was saying telling someone from out of town oh yeah that's the governor's mansion and they were saying does the governor actually live there and we saw the parsons (laughs) come out and kind of look around on the porch and have a seat and i said i I wasn't just making that up here they are um they have the rocking chairs out there it's like i love that that's such americana yeah they added that uh-huh. They Absolutely. do. Well, we are talking with Tammy Holiday. She is with Friends of the Missouri Governor's Mansion. T- Tammy, going this uh, this week of Halloween just passed all. When we had our friend Rebecca Gordon, who worked at the mansion for many years, she'd come in and tell us about some of the strange, unexplainable things that had happened to people. I think the one story that sticks our mind was an electrician who said he was 
talking to a little girl up on the the family level of the mansion yeah. came down and told the staff and they said there's no little girl up there and they said he went to lunch and never came back if you've had it <laughs> had any uh had any strange occurrences since you've been over there i have not seen anything but i have heard stories from some of the staff about um lights being on when some the last person that had left the you know the floor and closed up for the evening said that they know they were out um and they said they'd come back and the lights would be on and some doors that you know were open that were closed and and there's some some staff that swear that there is um some strange events that happen in there and of course the little girl that that the electrician thought he saw was um, believed to be the ghost of um, the uh, Crittenden, Caroline Crittenden, that um, died in the mansion when she was dying. Um, so, you know, some people say, I, I've seen things, I know, but I have personally not. I know we have some folks that really love those haunted tours of like MSP. And so maybe the mansion will have to get into the haunted tours. But I do know you've got an event coming up in December. And then also there's an event for folks who might want to um, take a peek there around the holidays. Can you tell us what's coming up for the mansion? Yes, the um, the Parsons open up the mansion. And I think this has been done for quite a few administrations um, for the candlelight tours, they call it. Um, and that's going to be on Friday, the 1st of December, um, Friday evening. And then also on that Monday evening, which is the 4th. And um, basically, they are letting the public come in and go through the mansion and see all the beautiful decorations that the, the mansion staff work so hard to put on. And every year, there's a different theme. Um, and I won't um, give away what the theme is this year. That's that's their you know um, their thing to tell. But um, it's usually a glorious event. The the candlelights, they dim the lights. It's dark outside. Um, and it's just absolutely amazing. And the Parsons um, are usually there to greet everyone, which is is not a lot of people get to say that their governor and first lady do that for the public but they have a lot of people go through and um it's just a really really neat tradition and then you've got a gala coming um, up we do we do we have our big fundraiser for our organization um that will be at the mansion on uh we actually do it two nights so it'll be on wednesday december 6th and um, Thursday, December 7th, and um, the governor and first lady will host it, and it'll be a uh, black tie event, and usually they have um, a beautiful, delicious sit-down dinner, um, and the governor and first lady will say a few words, and um, we just hope that we have a really big turnout and raise some money because there's there's projects to be done there at the mansion, and um, we really would like to get all of the first lady's portraits um, there's some that need repair. We're having an audit done on that. So that is really one of our big goals for next year. Wonderful. And you, um, so for those events, uh, how do people find out more information and on the candlelight tours, you need a ticket or is it just first come first serve? It is first come first serve. There's no charge. Um, you'll just stand in line outside of the mansion. Um, and they'll just single file people through kind of in a big circle through the first floor. And, um, as they walk out, usually the um, First Lady and Governor are um, standing there to greet people as, as they leave and thank them for coming. Um, as, 
as far as finding out information about the gala, um, they can go to our website at www.missourimansion.org and just click events and you can find out um, the details and how to purchase tickets. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Tammy. If you haven't already, I would tell you to go to Instagram and follow the mansion. I saw pictures of the food being prepared and pictures of the laundry and videos of the laundry room and some of the other buildings on the property. Really interesting. And I would also say the landscaping there around the Capitol and the governor's mansion uh, has just been incredible this year. So well done. Yeah. Sherry, Sherry Childs, the mansion director, she does an amazing job and um, is on top of everything. And they just keep that place looking beautiful. Well, we appreciate your work and the insights into the building that sometimes is a mystery for a lot of us this morning. Thanks, Amy. It is, it is. Thank you so much for having me. We just um, encourage people to try to visit the mansion when they can. Thanks. All right. Well, coming up next, we are going to do business news with a twist. We're going to do the morning bell with Mark Ellinger. What you got, Mark? So once the darling of Wall Street, the largest startup in the history of the United States, looks like it's going to go bye-bye. What? All right. That's up next on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Thanks for making Wake Up Mid-Missouri your number one choice in the morning. It is time for the Morning Bell business news with the twist that only Mark Ellinger can give you. Uh, markets futures are up, although not enormously, but it's been a really good week on the market all the way up all week. Uh, be interested to see. We got the jobs report. Not so good. Um, only, not surprised. Only 150,000 jobs. Unemployment rate rose to 3.9%. I think it shows that the interest rates are finally starting to do what they're supposed to do, which is slow the economy down. Um, but we'll see if uh, get a couple of months of that. Maybe we'll see the Fed back off the interest rates in the future. But all the stuff and the turmoil that has gone on has created all sorts of uh, problems inside the market and companies that have been around for years have either been bought or, or have gone away. And a few years ago, remember there was this little company called WeWork? And it yeah. it became a startup. It was at one point the most valuable startup in the history of Wall Street. Really? And then their owner went a little crazy um, and caused all sorts of problems, and it lost some valuation. And then COVID hit, and then office space kind of stopped being very important because you don't really need office space if nobody's in the office anymore. Well, guess what? What? WeWork's taking bankruptcy. Oh, no. And... Everybody who's been to big cities has seen the WeWork signs all over buildings. Uh, the bigger the city, the more signs you saw. Uh, pretty soon, I guess they'll just have a sign say, for rent, once again. WeWork. Well, and that's, I thought, you know, I knew they'd been in trouble for a while ever since COVID. And yeah, I've been to some big cities and I see the signs and I'm thinking, is that still a thing? I, I have seen them. I have never seen anybody in any of them. Hmm. I knew people, uh, particularly pre-COVID, that had rented space through WeWork bought a like a you can buy you could buy 
not just a single space, but you could buy like an account and use their spaces in any city where they had one. So if you know if you were in Chicago for work, you could pop into the WeWork office and you would have your own space or you just reserved it. So for those people who might not be familiar with WeWork, it's like a co-working space. So it might have like desks, computer, a Wi-Fi, maybe a coffee bar and a printer or something. Conference rooms. It, w- it was basically, it looked like an office space. Uh, except for everything was partitioned and you could use one office or a bank of offices or a conference room or whatever. Or if you needed the whole thing, you could use the whole thing on a temporary basis. And they popped up everywhere. Um, and they were always in Class A office space. They were always in the most beautiful locations, the nicest buildings. But the uh, owner was crazy and he did so much damage to it. Uh, they got upside down pretty bad. And then, you know, Commercial real estate across the country is just a disaster right now because nobody works in offices anymore. So we're going to see that. Apple sales declined on top of it. Mm -hmm. So we see a little pullback there, uh, mostly out of China. Had a lot to do with China. So, you know, the economy is changing. We say goodbye to WeWork. Uh, maybe we'll say goodbye to Joe Biden. We'll have a better economy in a year. <laughs> I would take <laughs> I would take a crazy owner over a crooked owner. We saw SBF had a bad day yesterday. He's going to going to prison. A uh, maximum of 110 years. Really? Wow. Wonder, how old How old will he be after 110 years? And he, you said he's. He, what did he say? He would rather go to jail than not have social media. Now he's going to have both. Yeah, I no. mean, th- this was a really interesting <laughs> thing. Is uh, the question he got. He got his probation revoked, or I guess he was out on bail. He got it revoked because he was trying to intimidate people using social media, which was something he had been banned from using. And, uh, you know, there was a discussion about he was willing to go to jail as long as he got to keep his social media accounts. That is sad. Could you leave him? Could you? I mean, which would be worse? Being in jail? Which would be worse? Being in jail (laughs) with social media or not being in jail but being banned from social media? I would give up social media 100%. It would be hard for me. All right, right? (laughs) It would be difficult. Okay, so up next, we're going to get an update from Brian Houseworth on this latest murder case. We're also, uh, he used to work at DOC, and we heard yesterday that the DOC director is stepping down, so more on that. Um, And then, of course, we're doing winners and losers. Send us or text us your nominations. Next up on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Tell your friends you listen to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. It is a feel-good Friday here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I'm Stephanie Bell. I'm joined by co-host Mark Ellinger. And before we get into our Friday favorite winners and losers of the week, if you've got a nomination, get it in. 573-874-9390. Uh, we're going to get an update here from Brian on this murder case. Brian, what's what's up? Yeah, right now as we speak, Stephanie, uh, If and I'm not there, so I don't know if he's uh, up on the podium yet, but if he's not, he's he's going to be any moment now. But his name is Harold Eugene Dickens. He is 64 years old. He has ties to Avaz. He has ties to Fulton. He also has ties to Williamsburg. He has been indicted for a cold case murder that John and I covered back in 2002. It was a very gruesome murder, as I recall. High profile. Got covered a lot in the news, TV, radio. I know a guy named Jason Griffin was here at 93.9 The Eagle. Some of our listeners may remember him. A guy named Jeff Studley. They were the news people at that time, and they covered it. And it was it just it was never solved for decades, um, two, more than two decades, and it's been solved. I've linked the indictment, our website, 93.9theeagle.com, but the indictment only provides a few details. She was stabbed to death, doesn't really give any details on what has happened. So clearly something has happened, 
most likely we won't know that until trial. But he has been charged first-degree murder. Big question now for the prosecutor, uh, Ben Miller, is will he seek the death penalty? Because he's clearly first-degree murder. He believes it was premeditated. He'll be arraigned today. More than anything else, it's a chance for the media to see him. Um, they don't do video, so he will be over actually in the courtroom today. And uh, what I don't know is what will happen. Probably not much of, of anything. He'll probably stay in a no bond, and he'll have to announce whether or not he has an attorney. But it is a big deal, and that's the second cold case Callaway County has solved in uh, in about a week. Uh, John John and I talked about the, the one they solved about a week ago. Uh, this um, uh, guy was shot to death. Um, John and I don't remember that one at all. This one we both remember. This yeah, this huge... is a, this is one where she was she'd filed for divorce, yes. as we recall, and she was living with her two brothers in a trailer out south of Fulton. And then a family member hadn't heard from her for a long time and went and discovered her. And like you said, it was it was gruesome, as I recall, just multiple, multiple stab wounds. Yes, yeah, exactly. And, John, there was speculation at the time. I mean, just, you know, I can tell you, speculation, it could have been random. It, they didn't know because there was another unsolved murder about two years after that um, that's still unsolved, by the way, in Fulton. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a status of that. But the, they believe it is the uh, husband that did this one. Do they have some kind of special cold case unit or something? That's Because that's amazing that they would come up with two cold cases in such a short period of time in that small of a jurisdiction. In that small of a jurisdiction, Mark, they don't have necessarily a unit, but it's a priority for Ben Miller. And the other murder that happened, um, I don't have my notes in front of me, that was a, a shooting case. And John and I don't remember it. Um, and I want to say it was 1981. This, it was, it was, yeah, a long time ago. And that particular guy that did that is already in prison for another murder in Potosi. He's serving a life sentence from a murder out of St. Charles County. This guy, I did check. That his- was a deal. Yeah, with the guy, the guy's body was found over near Portland, I yes, think, on yeah. that one. He'd been shot to death. We still, the, we don't know exactly why the family does, because he told them the family met with a lot of police that we know now, but that's pretty rare to bring the family in like that. But Mark's absolutely right that they, that this is rare, but it's a priority. And they, he hinted, Ben Miller hinted in the interview with Cam IZ last night that we may have some more coming up soon, cold cases. So it's, it's a priority. Wow. I can tell you there's an unsolved murder in Fulton in 2005. Um, it was a lady killed in her home. It was a huge deal. And that's one I, I continue to check on. And authorities will only tell me it's still under investigation. So that, that would be one I know there's a lot of interest in. Well, and I know people really appreciate you, Brian, and you, John, on keeping an eye on some of these things um, because it's really hard to keep track of some of these, especially the cold cases. One of my other favorite people to talk uh, to about these issues is Jennifer Bukowski. Yes. I'm interested to hear from her what the challenges might be in prosecuting cold cases or defending now that it's been so much time since uh the crime has passed so um we will have she will be here on monday co-hosting um so we will uh we will do that and then also we're getting ready for uh winners and losers but first um brian you uh you were out yesterday and i wanted to talk to you about this because you spent some time at department of corrections and big news um (laughs) on their staff staff. (laughs) (laughs) not not in residence only in office (laughs) i I was not i was not in the general population (laughs) um but (laughs) (laughs) all right fact check all right so uh but we heard uh that director uh and precise is uh moving along retiring um any insights on that and the impact to maybe the department well it is interesting and i i know her uh i she did not work with me because she came from north carolina i was there uh you know work for larry crawford 
I'm not totally surprised. It, she she was there almost eight years. She was there from 2017, and she's going to stay there until December. Um, obviously, she knows the governor's going to be leaving office, and she's ready to retire. Um, I've heard a lot of praise for her. Like any director, when I was there even, you're going to have parolees commit horrible crimes. That's the biggest thing, and, and that... That happens. It happened under her. It happens under every director. Um, it's just, you know, unfortunately, some people just aren't re- rehabilitated. But in terms of what she's tried to do with the MVE, in terms of what she's tried to do with reentry, um, I've heard nothing but praise from lawmakers on both sides of the aisle. You, know, you get some grumbling sometimes on a, on a case or not. But remember, she has nothing to do with whether somebody's innocent or not or somebody that's should be paroled. That's done by the parole board. So I'm not totally surprised. And uh, and again, she's uh, she's ready to retire. But seven years in that position, it's a long time. That really we, just, we just got word, too, Brian, that somebody you did work with over yes. there... Deputy Director Matt Sturms announced his retirement now as well at DOC. That really surprises me because Matt is about my age, um, you know. And but again, if, you know, he's been there. I bet it's close to thirty years. Yep. And uh, he'd be eligible, and um, you know, he's been in that position, and 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 good for him. I know he has, he's he and his wife. I don't believe they have children, but Matt's very well respected. I kind of thought he would take the uh, the lead in that, but I haven't seen him in a long time. So I, I that that I can't really speak to that one did surprise me precise no well this hurts and now for nominees for the winners and losers of the week all right text us your nominations 573-874-9390 we've got some already rolling in from tim he says the winner of the week is speaker mike johnson he's not afraid of sharing his thoughts and beliefs and discussing god his speeches are awesome Mark, who's your winner and loser of the week? Well, I got a whole bunch of winners, all the football teams, Mizzou, the high school football programs. But I got a better one that kind of came out of the texter here. We've been having a little online texting about Christmas (laughs) movies, thanks to to stay in the Christmas theme. And the winner of the week is Die Hard, the undefeated best Christmas movie of all time. That's a hot take right there. That's awesome. Hans Gruber. I mean, it's not Christmas until Hans Gruber falls off that building. And football related, we've got Shannon texting in saying, Father Tolton football is undefeated and playing Versailles tonight in the district semifinals. Go Blazers. I will add, go Eagles. (laughs) Good luck, Eagles. (laughs) All right, John, you got any winners and losers? We got one from listener Joel who said, how about Mizzou, the only school with a Super Bowl champion, an NBA Finals champion, and a World Series champion on on that. So that's kind of cool. John, I have had that saved all morning. (laughs) I have been sitting here with it pulled up. Ready to go. Well, I got one one loser. How's that? Is it me? No, it's not. It's not me either. It is Osage County Jail escapee Alex Stieferman was the guy who assaulted the jailers last Sunday night. And some person in Lynn spotted him walking down 10th Street after he escaped from the Osage County Jail. And he is back behind bars. And that's a, kudos to that resident because if people don't realize realize this but osage county didn't real didn't release the age of the guy didn't didn't say the race didn't say if it was a man or a woman we had no idea who had been you know who escaped at that time so somebody was very attentive to notice you know this suspicious man walking down the street so winner of the week to that resident brian who else you got winners and losers got three quick ones eli drinkwitz the mizzou football coach huge game against georgia coming up between the hedges tomorrow that's the biggest game i agree with mark probably biggest game that eli drinkwitz is his 
faced here at Mizzou Big, and they have the opportunity. I also would nominate the uh, the Adoption Association, Central Missouri Foster Care and Adoption Association. They're doing their big gala tonight. 500 kids in, in foster care in Boone County, about 300 or so in Cole County. And also, I'm going to nominate a young man named Daniel. Daniel did a great job yesterday working on my computer uh, at Best Buy, and I appreciate him getting me in and getting it done, and he got it done in one day. Normally, it takes about a week. Daniel, you're a winner of the week, and we appreciate you. I love that. There are a lot of things to feel positive. Mark, you got, you're looking at me like you got somebody else. You got anybody uh, else? I've only got a loser, Corey Bush. <laughs> <laughs> looked like she was going to skate to victory. She has yeah. all the problems with her husband stealing, well, I'm sorry, getting paid money, let's call it that. <laughs> and then suddenly she's got one, maybe Maybe two opponents. It's going to be right. uh, one of them being be one of Stephanie's in-laws. I think <laughs> good old Wesley Bell. Wesley it's a Bell, distant relative, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> and Wesley Bell's going to be a formidable challenger. Formidable, and they're going to have to raise a lot. She's going to have to raise money, and didn't expect that. Yep. So she was planning on going out campaigning for other people. She's going to have to be in St. Louis. She was going to go campaign for Hamas. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and of course, Scott, Scott, Scott Fawn nominated Holly Rader. Of course, she has are previously announced for lieutenant governor. But this week, uh, you know, one of her opponents has been under uh, some media fire. And then uh, Bob Onder announced so how he might split the vote. And then ap- apparently Jay Ashcroft said if the abortion measure passes, he's quitting, which if she's elected LG means she's the governor. So Scott, Scott Fawn said she's had a pretty good week. I just can't imagine. I, and I didn't hear the quote i saw saw that that tweet i can't imagine ashcroft quitting as governor uh was he serious on that i mean i i saw the tweet but i never heard the audio but i just can't imagine i mean you know you have uh that election would occur assuming it's in november of next year the measure would become effective in de- december 30 days yep. later he would get sworn in theoretically a month later right. in early january and the first thing you have to do is say you swear to protect and uphold the laws of the state of missouri, the constitution of the state of missouri and the united states of america that's in the Constitution. He's going to have to admit, you know, it, to swear to uphold it. He, it. he can't do that. In his well, his father though is is a U.S. Attorney General, and again, I I don't know the context, but his father obviously upheld his Attorney General laws he didn't agree with. But this state, I, I remember in 1984, they elected John Ashcroft governor and turned around and voted for Harriet Woods as Lieutenant Governor. Theoretically, this state could elect Jay Ashcroft theoretically as governor and turn around and support abortion. I just don't know what the voters are going to decide. The it, issues, it, could, it could happen. We have often elected all Republicans across the board and voted on the left side of the issue, mm-hmm. be it minimum wage, what there is a Medicaid, cannabis, Medicaid, Medicaid expansion. expansion. Although, Although that, that was a primary, though. Yeah, and Medicaid expansion failed in 108, 108 counties, 106 counties, yep. but it passed in the big cities to get it through. Right to work was the big one. That yep. that one it, in in right to work uh, got beat even in Howie Raiders district who sponsored the bill. Well, we are going to keep rolling with winners and losers. We might get to some leftovers, but we're getting some more nominations through the texter at eight seven four ninety three ninety. Of course, before we go, I need to re up my nomination from Monday for the Jeff City Police Department because if you steal makeup in mid. We're laying down the spike strips, and I think they are definitely a winner of the week for Callaway that. Callaway County Sheriff Department. Well, that's true. All right. <laughs> Mid-Missouri law enforcement in general, winners of the week. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. This is Mid-Missouri's number one rated morning show. Uh, you might want to fact check that.
here's a big old serving of leftovers. Enjoy. Leftovers are on my suck list. I'm not a big leftovers girl, so we're going to stick with winners and losers. We are, I think we're the losers here in that we are. Remember how um, AOC was complaining that, you know, she was going to get like $175,000 and have to live in a shanty or something in D.C. Um, apparently, one of the last things Democrats did was they passed um, themselves a an additional housing subsidy. Now they get an additional $35,000 a year for their swanky D.C apartments that's and, the big difference uh yeah so 113 democrats and 104 republicans are taking advantage of the program spending an additional 1.4 million dollars of our money on their swanky dc apartments so we all lose there mark we, we definitely lose there another loser uh people didn't catch this probably but ivanka trump oh. she did not want to testify in the trial that's going on in new york city about the trump businesses and she was subpoenaed. She fought it, went up to the Court of Appeals, and yesterday the court said she has to testify. Wow. So next week, Ivanka Trump goes on the stand in her dad's trial. Again, we could just say every day, Trump's, uh, maybe we just have to make it plural, Trump's in court yeah. every day, seriously. All right. Um, also, I would say Kevin is texting in. He s- agrees with Tim, and he says the GOP House for electing Speaker Johnson. I like that he named Kamala as a loser of the week, but that's kind of every week isn't it um it. well and she's now the ai's are so we're all going to lose once again we're the losers because she's in charge of ai i don't know how, how that even happens um also winners of the week men everywhere because kim kardashian has um is now marketing her <laughs> skims <laughs> to men as well and women i mean we've been able to wear spanx and like undergarment like these slimming undergarments for years and honestly some men probably could use those and so now i don't know that they will actually wear shapewear but i've heard the underwear is pretty nice well not only that but kim kardashian with her skims brand is now the official underwear sponsor of the national basketball association did you see that did they do they that you have they have an official underwear sponsor now they do it's an official partnership for the nba and the wnba look the nba will sell anything particularly if it has something to do with china i mean the best parts about it are people's looking at people's a new look for michael porter jr you know they sell the spanx that have like the inserts with like the you know they give you a little extra in the back um you know maybe the men (laughs) who are lacking could use those types of shapewear all right uh john you got any winners and losers boy well how about the chiefs and the and the dolphins they're they're going over to play in frankfurt germany and if you want to watch it if you have nfl network it's an an 8 30 broadcast sunday morning 8 30 in the morning yep wow that's right. like four o'clock in the after four thirty in the afternoon over there so go chiefs well we know it is a big football weekend we will be recapping all of that on who moves on here locally uh when we are coming up uh hannah you got anything i have a winner of the week and uh, it's not very specific and i apologize uh but national ffa convention oh. took place this week in indianapolis and several local ffa chapters were granted um, awards from the National FFA Association, like the three-star and higher chapters. So 
congratulations to those local FFA chapters who got to go to convention this week and hear their name announced on stage. That's so wonderful. And so much of that education we heard earlier um, from Boone County commissioners about some of that ARPA funding being used for um, the nature classroom and for some of this agricultural programming at Southern Boone. And I know I think some Southern Boone folks went up to that FFA thing. So I think that's really great. Oh, yeah. And last night, um, I want to congratulate everyone who got Woman Entrepreneur of the Year for a Mid-Missouri County. Um, I sit on the Women's Business Center board, and we, a lot of us, Zimmer ladies, and with Erin um, from Cat Country was emceeing, we recognize many of the women around Mid-Missouri who are doing awesome things for small businesses. Um, and it was nice to hear their stories of uh, struggle and triumph. Um, and it was inspiring uh, to everyone in the room, I know. So congrats to those women who are recognized. We are going to be, and it was called Women Who Own It. So we are going to be uh, celebrating that on Monday with another woman who owns it, who owns some pretty strong opinions. And I'm excited to spend the morning on Monday with Jennifer Bukowski right here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. But up next, you are going to be hearing Gary Nolan.